What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined as always by the Superflex Savant himself, aka Ooh. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing tonight, buddy? Maxwell, doing great. It's uh, hot in New England. Uh, finally getting out of some some cold uh, winter months here and getting some nice sunshine. So can't complain, man. Well, that's good because we got some hot topics to talk about tonight, Ooh. man. Um, most most notably, we are here mostly to discuss uh, the Goo Goo Dolls and how they are one of the most underrated bands of the last 20 years, probably. Exactly. This is uh, now converting over to a pro Goo Goo Dolls podcast. Uh, if you came for Dynasty dynasty takes sorry uh this is not the place anymore this is uh just john we just reading uh john resnick's uh diary on on this podcast now john resnick one of the greats maybe you'll hear this someday um <laughs> but it's funny so i was having a conversation with uh anthony rainville who uh so graciously gives us his music for the show and we were talking about how bands like the goo goo dolls just don't exist anymore um they were one of those groups that they didn't really hit it big until their fourth or fifth album right man and you just don't see people giving bands that level of patience to develop a sound right and i instantly was just like this it's a perfect connection to dynasty right absolutely you come in you draft these rookies you expect them to hit right away everybody wants a justin jefferson everybody wants an odell beckham Nobody wants to wait around. No. And when that doesn't happen immediately, you see people starting to sour on some of these guys. Exactly. And there used to be the term third year breakout for wide receivers. And there was that patience that was built in. And it was literally like the past couple of years now where it's like, if it's not immediately a Justin Jefferson, they're dead to me. So it's, it's a little bit unfair, Max. And I think we'll uh, throughout kind of keep that in mind as we uh, talk about some of these players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we got some rookies to talk about tonight and we got some guys that are going into year two. I, I think it's interesting that one of your favorite, maybe your favorite player, Tyler Boyd, was a huge oh. redraft darling when he was a rookie and totally missed expectations. I think absolutely. a lot of people soured on him for that reason. And and I love it because it allowed me to get him everywhere the year afterwards. So yeah, sometimes you win when that type of thing happens. All right, well, let's jump into some of these guys we have to talk about tonight. And I want to lead the show with a man who I think is really, he's a hot topic right now, especially given the position he plays. And I feel like he's just being disrespected left and right. And that is Mr. Miles Gaskin. Yeah, let's delve into him a little bit. Um, He's an interesting one because I think during the draft, you had a lot of people immediately thinking that the Dolphins were going to be going for an RB. And who, who's to say that they weren't and that they were just kind of beat out in that scenario. Uh, but Miles Gaskin is probably one of the better winners from the NFL draft because uh, he was able to dodge the bullets of Harris, Etienne, all those. So he's not getting the respect he deserves because, hey, he was very productive in general. And heck, he was pro- uh, outrageously productive at Washington. He had uh, over 1,200 rushing yards all four years. And people also like to say that he's undersized, but he's 5'9", 205 pounds. So there's other players like Rojo, Singletary, uh, and Chase Edmonds who are the exact same size. So if you, we're not digging them for that type of 
uh, stature, but for, for whatever reason, uh, just because Miles Sagaskin isn't as flashy a name, he starts to have these narratives that are kind of painted out there. But he played ten, 10 games last year, and he was the RB2 eight times, or an RB2, excuse me, an RB2 eight times. He, Not he the, like RB2. the RB2. That <laughs> would have been, he'd be getting respect if he was the RB2 eight times. Exactly. And in 2020, he was uh, 13 in uh, red zone carries and number seven in receiving yards. Like, he had a good season. Um, but there's sometimes when these guys come out of the woodwork, unless you are like a Robinson who comes and just absolutely uh, out of nowhere does phenomenal. It's these guys that you didn't expect. They don't get the credit next year because they have this immediate kind of, oh, they're going to be replaced. Uh, and that didn't happen. Oh, he's not going to be able to stand up to the workload. Well, he was able to in this past year. So what's the next thing that you have against them? Uh, he's a talented player. The only thing I would say is like there is a bunch of other rbs in the mix in that backfield uh i think he clearly proved himself as like the lead uh but you had like salvan ahmed come in there um you've got a, a couple others what you have is it malcolm jared Brown, dokes was yeah, the, yeah, jared uh, dokes. the seventh round draft pick i was just gonna say it's a good choice um i do like him but i think if you're gonna talk about the guy who's probably gonna get the ch first chance at the job it's miles gaskin so any uh, any kind of thoughts on him max my thing with Gaskin is, again, you hit on it with the size, right? I think people, um, specifically a friend that uh, that plays in a league with both of us, you know, came, dropped by the other day and was talking about how he was kind of getting, you know, getting riddled a little bit for like, you know, his, I think it was a seventh round uh, startup pick of Miles Gaskin. And I was like, I love that pick, right? Like, I mean, after the sixth round, you know, you have my you have my permission, Dan, to start yeah. leaning on some of the upside for these guys. And right now he is projected to be the starter and he was a workhorse and they gave him a workload in 2020. Like you said, number 13 in red zone carries, you know, had a lot of receiving yards. Like he showed that he can be a three down back and yeah. them not taking any swings on running back in the early rounds. You know, I did recently draft Jared Dokes in a league where, you know, I think we were in the fifth round of rookie drafts or something exactly. like that. Hey, hey 230 pounds, maybe he falls into the end zone a couple times. Exactly. But I just think Miles Gaskin, we saw the production in college, like 1,250 plus rushing yards all four years is no joke. You know, you yeah. can certainly hold maybe not being an early declare against him, um, but the production was there. So I think in an offense that's ascending, I'm a Tua fan. I think we both are Tua fans. Yeah. Um, you know, they obviously add Jalen Waddle on the outside. I think the offense and team as a whole is taking a big step forward. And I don't see why, it, you know, it's Miles Gaskin's job to lose. I think at this point, he is the starter. And, you know, I would be pushing the button on him confidently in both like dynasty and redraft leagues right now. Yeah, no, exactly right. And the, uh, the, I think another great part about it is like you don't have to pay up for him. I think uh, a lot of people still think there's a lot of question marks around it, and I think he's worth a gamble. So if you don't have him on your team, I think it's worth uh, kind of putting some feelers out that way. So to kind of pivot to another running back who was similar size and stature as Miles Gaskin, let's talk a little bit about Chase Edmonds, right? Yeah. Chase Edmonds has been this this flash in the pan you've seen just enough a couple years in a row where everybody was like it's it, last year everybody's like it's chase edmonds year right he's gonna be the guy in arizona didn't happen even going back to 2019 he had those flashes where you could see the talent is this the year of chase edmonds dan is 2021 the year of chase edmonds i hope so because i've started to pick him up in a couple places and we're gonna see if that actually pays off at all there but i have a hard time not 
putting uh, Edmonds on kind of my radar with the type of offense he's going to be in. Uh, you're talking about being able to be catching passes from uh, Kyler Murray because I, I, he, he's definitely able to uh, have some some good receiving prowess there. Uh, and James Conner, I think, has been a great talent for what he's been able to do, but I don't see him as someone who's immediately going to be a threat uh, to the chemistry that Chase has been able to establish with Kyler. You, you saw those couple games when he was able to really kind of shoulder a workload um, towards the end of 2019, and it was just like, oh, man, who's this guy? Uh, and, of course, like he's there's definitely a lot more passing options as they've added a couple other weapons to um, the receiving core over there. Um, but we've seen him do it enough that you really just hope he's given the opportunity, right? Uh, Kyler Murray is definitely still, just like Lamar Jackson, going to steal a lot of rushing touchdowns away from someone. Um, but I think now that you have Drake uh, out of town and are replacing with James Conner, I really think he's going to be kind of the first option when it comes to the run game. And again, I just want pieces of office offenses that I think are going to just be uh, firehouses going into 2021. And I think he's definitely going to be a part of one on the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So another guy where I think there's enough question marks around the situation that if you're looking to be able to pick up a RB3 that could very well turn out to be a great RB2, uh, Chase Edmonds is definitely a guy I'm targeting there. Yeah, this is somebody who, coming out of Fordham, right, small school guy, um, good athlete, like we said, has flashed in spots. We've seen it plenty of times. Um, he yeah. was number 33 in fantasy points per game last year, so the year of Chase Edmonds definitely didn't happen in 2020. Uh, but he was also playing sub-50% snap share, right, yeah, and still exactly. managed to be number seven in receptions and number six in receiving yards. So, Clearly, we know he has the receiving ability, given the limited uh, work that he saw and, and the yeah. efficiency he showed there. My question is really, can he take the next step as a runner, right? Yeah. Cardinals offense, they're spreading it out. They tend to see a lot of light boxes. You know, the mix right now is Edmonds, is James Conner. I actually still kind of think Eno Benjamin is an interesting, another monster yeah, receiver for sure. um, from his college days. But I think really the question is going to be, do they commit to Edmonds? Because yeah. he's proven it as a receiver, um, you know, getting to run against boxes that light. I mean, if you gave that to Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, any oh, of those man. guys, I mean, yeah. they would shred defenses. So sure. that to me is the biggest question. Yeah, and I don't blame him. Honestly, there's a there's a, a wild card now with uh, Rondell Moore, right? Again, who uh, is a guy that we're starting to look at like, okay, is he going to be able to be someone who's sitting in the backfield kind of like a Debo Samuel and be able to take some of the sweeps that uh, had made him successful uh, that had also made Chase Edmonds successful in the past? So you're right. They've got to be able to give him the true carries, not just the dump-offs uh, that he was receiving before, uh, which is why he was so high in uh, kind of PPR formats that way. The only rookie that my brother is aware of this year is Rondell Moore because I named my Dark Souls 3 character Rondell. And so there that's, we go. that's the only one that hey, he knows. He's just like, hey. you just got to find ways to teach people. And that's a exactly. great way. <laughs> um, so let's, let's pivot and round out the running back position. Um, talking about somebody coming out of North Carolina, not named Javante Williams, Dan. Ugh, do we even and need to talk about him then? That's, uh, we do. We do. We need to talk <laughs> about Michael Carter. Uh, because like Javante Williams, also a talented dual threat coming out of North Carolina, 
right? So I think I made a joke on a prior show when you were talking about Chris Carson and I mentioned the uh, how Justice Hill kind of outproduced him when they were at OK State. Yep. Same thing was kind of true of Michael Carter and Javante Williams. And this is not necessarily shaded Javante Williams, but Michael Carter led that team in rushing last yeah. year, right? Yeah. Um, despite that, you know, kind of goes in the fourth round, but to a great landing spot for a running back um, in terms of competition on the depth chart. For sure. You know, very interesting prospect. This is somebody who had, you know, averaged eight yards per carry in college that's a 97th percentile you know efficiency metric and really just kind of showed elite levels of agility at his pro day so if you're going to talk about somebody who maybe doesn't have the flat you know straight line speed to go burn people let's yep. talk about somebody that can miss an open space so also a great kick returner in his last couple of years at north carolina um he's somebody that i think should immediately mix in with Tevin Coleman and LaMichael P. Ryan. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's the one winning the job in the early weeks of this coming season for the Jets. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, it's, it is it is such kind of open competition there. Uh, we've probably seen the better side of Tevin Coleman at this point. LaMichael P. Ryan, I know he was injured a decent amount, so we still, I, I know pe some people were excited about him last year, but it's not like he's going into a situation where there's an obvious RB1 and RB2 that's sitting right ahead of him. There's enough uh, question marks in the mix there where um, I think that offense should hopefully get better. Uh, Adam Gase uh, is absolutely, I mean, I don't even have to make the case. One of the worst coaches, in my opinion, finally getting booted out of there. Um, so they're going to start to mix it up. Uh, and I think you're also going to need a guy who can have that type of agility that Michael Carter does because that O-line is not great. So um, you are going to have to be a little shifty to get around uh, some like kind of sweeps again and not have to just be this guy who's going to trudge down the field looking for open holes because they're not always going to be there. So I think he's going to be able to kind of blend his abilities there and hopefully uh, kind of show out in a way that's going to give him more playing time than uh, uh, he might have originally even thought. Yeah, I think Adam Gase is uh, currently living in Peyton Manning's mansion right now. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. He doesn't really care. You His, know, no, what, exactly. What the Jets I, do. I know he doesn't care what we have to say about him because he's still living a great life uh, doing God knows what. But uh, my goodness, am I glad that the Jets are free from that. So uh, we're, it'll be really fun and interesting to kind of see because, as you said, it's an attractive landing spot that uh, all you got to do now is be able to prove that you belong on the field more than the others. Yeah, bad job by me, because I'm just realizing the inherent trend here, which I didn't mean to do when I put the uh, the notes for the show together. But Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, Michael Carter, all very similar size, stature, and skill set, right? Great yeah. receiving backs in college. And the biggest question for all three of these guys is, can they handle the full workload, right? Yep. Be that guy, that Christian McCaffrey, that Aaron Jones. I'm not comparing these guys to those two, but I'm saying at that size, can you handle... 80% plus of, you know, the snap share at the running back position. And it's good to talk about those guys, right? Because as you just talked about, there is the Aaron Joneses and the CMCs um, that can make that type of uh, stature work. But then there's the ones that are typically uh, perceived as like scat backs, right? Or just like uh, third down backs who are not going to get the total uh, value that you're looking uh, in fantasy. But these guys, if they can break through, if they can really kind of up their game and show that they can carry a workload, uh, they're going to be in great shape. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Aaron Jones was a fifth rounder coming out of UTEP. So nobody expected yeah. that of Aaron Jones. What we've seen from Aaron Jones today was nobody's expectation a few years ago. Absolutely not. Uh, and so that's why these guys right now don't have ADPs that are in the, the second or third round uh, and could potentially net out to be some good value if you can get them on the cheap.
Yeah. So let's jump into some wide receivers and uh, at least take a look at a player who's going into his second year, a player I know that you really like. Uh, yeah. I think you brought him up during our startup recap that we did last time. Talk to me a little bit about Darnell Mooney going into his second year with the Bears. Absolutely. Yeah. So Darnell Mooney, it's been fun. It's just like the Chicago situation with Trubisky. Uh, and I was I have a soft spot for Trubisky in itself, but uh, accuracy was not one of his. Uh, wait, wait, wait hold on. Let's let's <laughs> rewind for a second. What soft spot do you have for Mitchell Trubisky? I don't know. I don't know. There's something something about it. I wanted him to succeed so bad. So maybe maybe he can learn from a, a Josh Allen. Oh, man, how times have turned where we're praising Josh Allen for uh, being a quarterback to learn from. Um, but now being uh, under under his tutelage as a as a rushing quarterback who was pegged for not being the most accurate, let's hope he can build it up a little bit. It's indescribable, Max. I don't know why I have a soft spot, but for some reason I want the uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, to, two, to come out on top. So we'll, Two we'll things here before we get back to Darnell Mooney. First, there's a lot of bad audio by yours truly put out last year about Josh <laughs> Allen and his career. Okay? Oh, I know. So, That's what I'm saying. This is a collective podcast. We'll call it our audio. But Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the bullet on that one. But I did hear, and this is going back a year or two, and I can't remember which analyst said it. It might have been Rich Rebar. I quote him a lot. I'm a big fan. But um, if the Bears had just designed – a Lamar Jackson style offense for Mitchell Trubisky, right? Like emphasize the things that he did well exactly. instead of forcing him to be a pocket passer. I think we could be talking about a very different player, um, you know, in today's Absolutely. day and age. A hundred percent. But now currently he's just going to be uh, clowned as the guy who was picked before Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes and all those other guys. So rough, rough bid. But um, regardless, with that being said, you looked at uh, wide receivers uh, on the Bears, and you just really didn't want anything to do with them, uh, because besides Allen Robinson, because you know he's going to catch literally everything that's tossed his way, even if it's ten feet outside of his catch radius. Um, so Darnell Mooney, I mean, it was really hard um, to kind of see him on the field, but to to back it up a moment, like the dude had an age eighteen breakout, and he dominated the offense in uh, in Tulane. And he doesn't have the biggest size, right? He's definitely a little bit kind of shorter, Saturday, all that stuff. But he has wheels, man. Four, uh, three, eight wheels. So, I mean, it is funny. Like, Nagy, I think, actually called him. And this is coach speak to a T, absolutely. Um, but he said he could be Tyreek-esque, Tyreek Hill-esque, right? Because he just, he's seen what that does there. I'm not expecting that at all. I'd see that as a broad ba- way to say his speed can be utilized in a way that can unlock this offense. And that is attractive to me because I think that's going to mean that he's getting some of the big deep balls that are going to rack up some fantasy points. And the other part about it is that sometimes when you're the speedster uh, on a team that has like four to five different weapons, then you're really just going to be utilizing like kind of package plays, those types of things. He's going to need to get more targets just beyond there because there really isn't too many other weapons uh, that exist on the Bears right now when it comes to pass catching. It's like Allen Robinson. I like Cole Komet. Uh, and then uh, Darnell Mooney. So I think the uh, the combination of receivers that they have there just lends himself to getting as many targets as humanly possible. Uh, and you started to see that already. He had a nine, uh, 73% snap share. Uh, he went for 61 receptions, uh, 631 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, and he was number 10 in the league in unrealized air yards. Again, the Trubisky effect, right? It's, it's not being able to actually connect with them. Um, but guess who he gets this year? Oh, I know Fields. who he gets this year. So if we're talking about being able to have a good situation uh, when it comes to utilization, now be met with 
actualization of being able to put the ball in his hands. I know it's rookie rookie QBs. You're, they're not always going to succeed in their very first first year. But I think you and I both have high hopes for Justin Fields. I think we see the Bears went out and and reached to to get him. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to be able to see what he's able to unlock in his next year because I really do believe if he's utilized in the right way, uh, he could be a monster coming into this next season. There is zero reason that Justin Fields should have fallen as far as he did in the draft. And I think that there's a real chance two to three years from now that we are talking about how he has single-handedly saved Matt Nagy's job and Ryan Pace's job as a general manager. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think I said reached for him. Uh, They traded up for him, but it was by no means a reach because he fell way further. I agree than he should have uh, in that draft. So um, Max, any thoughts on, on Darnell Mooney? I know I was talking about him for uh, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, other than you shoveling dirt on Anthony Miller's grave, nope, no extra thoughts. I mean, I, Anthony Miller's still on him. the team. I love, <laughs> yes, he is, but now he is by no means uh, ahead of him and uh, ahead of Mooney on the uh, depth chart, in my opinion. I love the talent, uh, but A, uh, they always say the, the best ability is availability. Uh, he's He's been hurt more than uh, anyone cares to say. Um, and so I think you found another person who uh, was able to take the situation that was the Bears and actually make something of it. And so I think with Darnell Mooney, he was able to do that, and I think he earned himself a spot. I was just messing with you. He showed a lot of good stuff in his rookie year. Um, obviously, you know, outplayed Anthony Miller or yeah. earned the time on the field. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where – it's funny, again, getting back to the Goo Goo Dolls, because I'll talk about the Goo Goo Dolls all day. Um, you know, Anthony Miller, not that many years removed from being a rookie draft darling. And it's like now, sure. you know, Darnell sure. Moody, right? That's all anybody wants to talk about. And, and it's interesting, too, because I think Anthony Miller might be on his last year of his contract, too. So just situationally as well. I think the other thing is, like, if does Miller stay? If he does, great. But if he doesn't, he moves on. Then it's just another kind of open uh, and vac- vacated target that potentially could be uh, gobbled up by Moody there. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on to uh, a very interesting player for a couple reasons um, who's been in the league far longer than either of those guys. Let's talk a little bit about Brandon cooks. And the funny thing about Brandon cooks is that I feel like we don't really need to talk about how good Brandon cooks is. Like, I feel like everybody should know that when Brandon cooks is on the field and he's healthy, he is a monster. Um, this is somebody who was number 16 in fantasy points per game last year, over 1,100 yards and six TDs. He's so interesting in Dynasty right now, though, right? Yeah. Because I remember prior to last season, he was getting sold for, like, nothing. Like, you could pick up Brandon Cooks. This is somebody with, you know, a history of five-plus concussions, very scary stuff. Um, he was borderline free in Dynasty leagues. Like, people were yeah. giving him away, thinking he might not be playing in the NFL, Interestingly enough, he's on a team that feels equally as messy situationally, right? So Houston feels like a total mess right now. You know, the Deshaun Watson thing has taken a ton of twists and turns. My thing is, looking at Brandon Cooks from a dynasty perspective, I don't even really – he's played with so many different quarterbacks and fitted on so many different offenses. As long as he is healthy and on the field, Brandon Cooks is going to be helping your fantasy team. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's the the one thing for sure is he's just, like, scheme-proof, coach-proof. QB proof like he he can produce throughout anything um so it doesn't scare me like if the situation is a little messy heck he's probably going to be able to play and you got Tyrod Taylor there who again is able to uh sustain 
um, a wide receiver in that regard. I'm always not going to like push it down the field as much as Deshaun Watson would. But um, the only thing with Brandon Cooks is, as, as you said, it's there's always like this just cliff that he's just like teetering on um, where I I find it really hard for his value to ever like rise, but there is a huge chance for his value to just fall off an absolute cliff. Um, So when you're going out there, the beauty of it is, I think you're going to be buying him probably where people are really like not valuing what he's been able to do from a production standpoint throughout his entire career. Just don't go paying up for him and you're not going to have to. But you could probably get another high-end wide receiver two year out of him yet again because if he's been able to uh, be put into a situation where it's not absolute garbage, he's going to be able to produce. Yeah, he's somebody I I totally agree with you. It's price dependent and probably team dependent, right? You're not exactly looking uh, to take on Brandon Cooks for a rebuilding team or something like that. But just seems like somebody where, you know, I'm a big fan of Nico Collins, right? We've talked about him on prior shows, but I mean... The, the throne is empty right now for Houston. I mean, he can just be sitting there Absolutely. and, uh, you know, chalk it up to another easy thousand yard season for Brandon Cooks as long as he's on the field and available. Heck, let the, let the boy play QB and just throw to himself. <laughs> maybe maybe that's how you get some good fantasy production if we if uh, Deshaun Watson isn't there. Because um, he's exactly right. The throne is wide open. And if anyone's going to claim it, it's probably going to be him. Or Nico Collins. But we can talk about that later. <laughs> so... So let's get into uh, let's get into a little uh, depth chart battle, right? So yes. let's let's go over to Indianapolis, and you know I want you to talk to me about the wide receiver landscape there. We got Pittman versus Campbell. Why don't you give me a quick breakdown of Michael Pittman and what you kind of see for him in his second year in the NFL? Yeah. So as as you said, like the the landscape's wide open right now. So Pittman, um, he was a later breakout at USC. Um, but he went 202 in the NFL draft. Uh, you had the head coach kind of raving about him, being like, "I don't know if he's not the best receiver in this class." Again, it took him before coach Jonathan Nick, Taylor, didn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it is. It is kind of crazy how uh, how much belief they that they have in the kid. Um, and I think it's because they they kind of were looking at um, who they had and. Uh, they wanted a bigger bodied receiver that they could start to be able to utilize in their scheme there. Um, so he's 6'4", 223 pounds, and he runs a, a 4 5 so 93rd percentile speed score. Pretty great. Something you want to be able to utilize when you're looking to rebuild the wide receiver core because you've got T.Y. T- Hilton, who's been fantastic, but uh, again, on the latter um, mile of his career, uh, and has suffered a, a good amount of injuries. So they think they wanted to kind of find that wide receiver one profile uh, that you're able to kind of build a team around again. Um, however, I mean, we got to kind of take a look at his season as a whole, and uh, he did lead the team in snaps, but he was outproduced by Hilton and uh, Zach Pascal. So it's kind of like this, okay, like you're definitely looking to get the ball onto his hands. Uh, I can also say again, like there's a reason why Philip Rivers isn't the continued quarterback now. Like he wasn't putting uh, putting a lot of mustard on a lot of those throws, uh, being able to push it downfield at all. So he was definitely not um, being given this golden opportunity that he fell from. But it also is this kind of like, okay, is he going to get that same amount of um, opportunity? Now, with this second guy coming in, Paris Campbell, that uh, I'll let you kind of talk to now because he's kind of the flip side of the coin is, all right, Pittman had this opportunity because Campbell was out last year. What do you think about Campbell going into this year now after this lost year? Yeah, Paris Campbell, man. Um, 
oh, just got to take a moment to collect myself here. I mean, Deep talk breaths. about somebody. I was so excited for him to come in. You know, when you see the level of athleticism he has, right? It's like yeah. you got, these guys, these are the guys I get excited about, right? Guys that produce in school, you know, the breakout age, you know, not great for Paris Campbell, right? Um, yep. But just because he played on a, such a loaded Ohio State team. Um, when you see guys like DJ Moore and these guys with just like, crazy percentile athleticism across the board you get so excited for them coming to the nfl and really he just had a lost first season right um so came in two years ago his rookie year really didn't play very much you know was kind of on and off the field and even this year it was like this is the year for paris campbell right he's the only buddy there philip rivers can't throw the ball very far just give it just feed paris campbell and we saw it in the first game before he went down he had like 10 targets for seven receptions or so i don't have the numbers in front of me but it was crazy right it was, it was definitely one where be... everyone was trolling the, the waiver wire immediately being like oh my god is Cam- paris campbell on there or who how yes. can i trade for him right now and it's just so tough the track record of guys like you said earlier availability is the best available avail- <laughs> availability is the best ability and the guy i mean he's only played nine games and he only has 24 receptions on his resume through two years Four different injuries, abdominal injuries, hand injuries, foot injuries, and the latest one was the MCL-PCL, which you just hate to see. It's just so tough because the track record of these guys who come in and, you know, just can't stay on the field their first two years, the track record of them succeeding isn't great. So on one hand, I have this picture in my head of Paris Campbell two years ago and how excited I was and how dynamic a player he was. On the other hand, I don't know if he's still that guy and I do have concern. Um, You know, I think he's probably his price in dynasty probably isn't huge right now. I think there is a massive upside and potential if he could get his career back on track and stay healthy. But man, I, you know, looking at this depth chart, it's a bunch of question marks. I think Pittman probably winds up being the safest guy, but if you want to shoot for upside, uh, I mean, Paris Campbell, man, the guy can play. You put the ball in his hands and all he does is make people miss. Yeah, and, and that's that's the one thing is like either of these guys, I, I there's so much ambiguity that I have a hard time arguing which one is going to play out on top. Um, so target both of them, do some dart throws. As you said, Pittman's probably the safer bet. Uh, Campbell's probably the the higher upside and probably the, the least expensive out of the bunch. Um, I think it still says something that they didn't go out and try and chase um, any of the major kind of free agents that were out there. They didn't kind of target wide receiver heavy in the uh, the draft at all. So I think there's something to be said. Like, I think they really do see something in these guys. Um, And when you mention like, uh, the guys that continue to get injured over and over again, they really have a hard time playing out. It's typically because they've been having someone else that's kind of risen and been able to replace them. I mean, maybe that's Pittman for Campbell in this scenario there, but I think they still have uh, both have a chance to succeed in an offense that you really do hope is going to start to pick it up as compared to last year. So, yeah, you know, something we haven't talked about, but we'll have to talk about, you know, on an upcoming show is just. Carson Wentz, right? And his career is at the crossroads right now. So that that offense is going to look very different. Tons of O-line talent. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a monster in the backfield. Uh, It'll be interesting to track how this wide receiver stuff shakes out, who's healthy, who's available, and uh, who winds up commanding, you know, the alpha role on that team. Yep, totally agree. So let's jump into tight ends real quick before we get out of here. Uh, And when we were going back about some guys to talk about, a name came up and Dan was like, I want to talk about Tyler Higby. So Dan, take it away with Mr. T Higgs. 
Yes. So I think, what was it, end of 2019, you started to see the Tyler Higby show, um, and everyone started to get really hyped on the man. And it was because, and, and, and everyone's argument against it was, oh, well, Jared uh, Gerald Everett it was injured during that time. So, of course, he was going to start to get all the targets. Well, Gerald Everett is gone now. And so I think there's this opportunity. And actually, during that year previously, too, you also had Cooks kind of into the mix as well when Higby was succeeding. So I, I sometimes like to be able to take a look at those guys who are just kind of those uh, post-hype um, sleepers, those guys who were really, really hyped up, had huge ADP kind of rise at the top, and then they just crash and burn. And so where you see Tyler Higby going now um, is sometimes even lower than where he was going prior to his kind of 2019 star show. So he's a fourth rounder out of uh, Western Kentucky, heir to the uh, Jack Doyle throne over there. Ah, um, yes, Jack yes, Doyle. Yeah, Jack Doyle. Oh, I, another guy. Just I, I love him. Can't, can't say why, but Jack Doyle. Love that guy. Um, but he was uh, number tw- uh, he was 12th in snap share for tight ends, but uh, last year, but uh, 22nd in fantasy points per game. So definitely like a little little uh, uneven uh, when it comes to opportunity meeting with the actual production value there. Um, but I also do think, I mean, in those types of situations too, with tight ends, it's a little hard with snap share because sometimes it's utilization for blocking, uh, not always out there just for being able to, uh, to catch passes. So uh, I know they were especially really trying to get Cam Akers, your boy, going a little bit. So it doesn't worry me too much, but it's something where, again, uh, you do kind of want to be mindful of it. But that 2019 year that we're talking about, 20, uh, 69 receptions, 700 plus yards uh, and was 10th in fantasy points per game. So that's the difference, I think. I mean, I want to utilize a little bit of the the 2019 story because I think there's more similarities going into this season, this 2021 season, uh, to that. Uh, and so the last thing that you have is Matty Stafford instead yes. of Jared Goff. Yeah. I was going to say know? this if you didn't. So <laughs> this is, yeah, th- that's the one other thing where I think you just have a more powerful offense that's really going to be able to uh, be a little bit more creative. I think you're going to see someone who was able to target a big body like Hawkinson was over in uh, Detroit. So I, I hope they find a way to unlock him. Um, I don't, I'm not going to kind of sing his praises too loudly because from a, a prospect perspective, you and I have kind of joked. I think there was a uh, dynasty draft we were doing before. It was like, ah, oh, I might take Higby. And you're like, you sent me his player profile. And it's like, okay, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's just opportunity <laughs> that, that, that drove him there. Opportunity um, is king. Opportunity is good. And I think he's going to get a lot of it. So I think he's worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. So let's close it out um, by talking about a player who it's very interesting timing for him coming into the NFL because if Kyle Pitts was not in this draft class, I think a lot more people would be talking about Pat Fryermuth who uh, I mean, I, you texted me this nickname. I hadn't heard it before. I didn't know if you stole it from somebody, but why don't you (laughs) tell uh, you know, the people at home, the little nickname that you coined for our boy, Pat. Now, if there's someone else who's given him this nickname, I promise you I have not seen it. And uh, if you've patented it for whatever reason, I will pay you royalties because I'm going to say it every time. Pat Firemuth, the flame himself. Uh, I'm the very flame. excited for him. It's going to work well for all my Dark Souls references. So <laughs> so Pat Firemuth, um, really just a man among boys um, coming out of Penn. And 6'5", 250 pounds, has the size. The unfortunate thing for us is that I believe he was coming off shoulder surgery, um, which, which, you know, Mm. during this strange COVID season, he didn't really get to officially test throughout the process. There was obviously no combine. They had their pro day and he just didn't get to test. But interestingly enough, 
great breakout age, Eight, 81st percentile breakout age. You love to see that early breakout age for tight ends. It's one of the things that people talk a lot about, you know, Kyle Pitts and just how young he broke out. Interesting, very close dominator to Pitts, if you look at it as mm-hmm. well, right? Which I think is is a little bit of an extrapolation, um, right? So that's that's sometimes the problem with dominator when you don't have some of these full seasons, especially of late. For sure. You know, it's an extrapolation, but it is just, again, a comparable metric. Um, dropped zero passes in the red zone. So you want to talk about a guy going to Pittsburgh, you know, they have a history, you know, everybody remembers the days of Heath Miller and all these beastly tight ends they yep. had. Great red zone target um, for Big Ben, who, you know, we don't know how much longer his arm's going to last these days. Exactly. And really the thing to me that, you know, he's, he's behind Eric Ebron right now, but one thing that is just going to make sure that he finds his way to the playing field is his blocking prowess, right? Yep. So when you talk about the difference in Pitts, who I know is everybody's favorite player to talk about right now, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll have to do a Pitts 2.0 deep dive at some <laughs> point because I still Agreed. have some thoughts on Pitts. Um, you know, not that I don't love Pitts, but I think he definitely coming to the NFL has a big weakness in being a two-way tight end and being able to block. Obviously, a stellar receiver. Fryermuth, great receiver and a fantastic blocker. It's probably one of the reasons that he was so highly drafted by the Steelers. Just a true two-way tight end, can catch the ball, can make the blocks, blow open holes for Najee Harris. Uh, I'm really excited. And the thing I kept saying to you when we were going back and forth doing our rankings is, is just like, why would I take Kyle Pitts at the back of the first round when I could just take Pat Fryermuth in the third round? You know? Exactly. And, and and you still can. I mean, there, there there was one draft that we did recently where I picked him up in the third. Sometimes in Titan premiums, he creeps up to like the uh, the late second. But man, if you're talking about the, the potential to be looking a year from now and being like, man, how do we have these guys so far apart in valuation? Uh, I think we're going to be seeing a different story because I, I really do. A again, you said the draft capitals there, uh, the ability to get on the field as a rookie is there, uh, and the red zone dominance is there. If you want to be able to have a tight end that can quickly come to to light, I mean, again, they call him Mini Gronk, and you think of Gronk's season, he's not going to be able to do something like that uh, out of his rookie year. But he was a red zone monster, and when you need have a team that's going to be targeting you there. Um, you might not always be, yes, there's other receivers on the team. They've got like Pittsburgh has like four wide receivers that they're going to be targeting plenty. I don't think you're going to be chasing targets uh, the first year with Pat Fryermuth, um, but I think you're definitely going to be uh, looking at the amount of touchdowns being like, oh man, that's actually a lot more than I would have expected in his first year. So I'm so excited to, uh, to see what he's able to do. Yep, let's just get Dwayne Haskins on the field, you know, get him targeting the tight end down the seam. We'll be Mason fine. Rudolph Everything will be fine. Mason is quoted right now uh, as saying that he would like to be the QB1 going into next season. He, he just wants to let people know that he would like to be the starting quarterback going into the 2022 season. So, uh, but hey, just, just saying, he's, uh, you, you definitely got some competition for Dwayne Haskins there. Yeah, hey, uh, I mean, I don't care who plays quarterback as long as Pat Friermuth is getting the ball. Who I, I do care. I actually, I really do care. I want to be on record that I do care who's throwing that fire me at the ball. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it next season. All right, man. Great show. We actually wound up digging into these guys a lot more than I thought we would. We can never, ever get a quick show done. Can we? No, you know what? Uh, yeah. Whether it's, if it's two people, we're going to talk about each for about 20 minutes. If it's 10 people, we're going to talk about each for four. So say la vie. But listeners, we uh, we hope it's been uh, some good banter and a little back and forth. 
Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know, I'm working the guest list. I think we're uh, I'm not going to spoil any guests because I feel like every time I do, they wind up canceling on us and moving the shows. So <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to not going to tease anything, uh, but I will say we're trying to get some more voices on the show. And uh, I think the next voice you might be hearing could be a potentially longtime nemesis of mine in Dynasty. So uh, turned turned friend, comrade, but still, you know, the rivalry will never die. Will it eventually just be, is it frenemies now or is it full on friend? Because it's, it sounds like it, it's a little bit. It above. feels like a topic for next show. It feels <laughs> okay, like a topic for next this show. This is fair. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Acres. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>